Hello friends. So I like to speak in this video about what yoga is and how it is a foundation for any spiritual endeavor um, and how it is not a practice of postures. So I'm always hesitant to use the word yoga because um, it's associated immediately in the Western mind often that it is a practice of postures because this is what it is often presented like by many teachers because often that's also what they learned that it, it is about that and people even make a whole science about uh, postures like going like forever deeper for 10 20 30 for maybe their entire life exploring movement um but that is so far away from what yoga actually is and it has so much to offer because what yoga truly is it is uh, a system and or different systems even for liberation and it can give us many foundations systems subtleties structures reminders to work consistently forward on our path and myself um being quite a, a geek when i'm interested in something i found it extremely interesting to see how long it took me being so interested traveling to india reading the books doing the yoga how long it took me to find out actually actually what it was it was supporting me all along from the start but it took me so long to actually find out um, a bit of the history behind it and and the true intention and and kind of way to approach it and i'm sure i have endlessly more to learn like anyone um, but there is a simple under some simple understandings that we can come to um, i also don't want to make it too conceptual um, i don't want you to become a new yoga historian or um, to um, to make it a new conceptual thing i want to speak about how it can really support you so let's first make a little distinction between patanjali yoga and hatha yoga because there's a big confusion and the original first systemized yoga was a, uh, the sutras from patanjali it was more a path of meditation and the asana practice here was um, he just wrote about asana to give uh, instructions for the right sitting posture in meditation. So it had nothing to do with um, all these varieties of postures of headstands and twists and backbends and nothing to do with that. Um, it was a system of moral codes, integrity, values, of breath control, of concentration of uh, meditation and of ultimately absorption of the collapse of consciousness and matter and um, liberation in a sense insight into the true nature of things so this first system already before we move on to quickly to what hatha yoga is and the difference already provides us so much Many people these days um, end up in the spiritual world 
maybe through famous books like the power of now or the, maybe through 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 online satsangs from muji or uh, any of the neo advaita scene or um, shamanism there are so many ways that we can end up in the spiritual world but often we can spend really long seeking here and not really reaching what we want if we don't have some basic understanding of really what is almost everywhere commonly seen as needed for the awakening of consciousness and potentially here wrote already down moral codes and integrity that is so important if you don't do it before your awakening your awakening will reveal that that is so important to you to be truthful to not harm to trust in life and to not go against it to um to be content and grateful for what you have these kind of things these kind of moral codes you have to think about um but i think truthfulness and non-violence are some of the most important ones and and also later on the practice of concentration so really taking our time to train the mind at least a little bit to make it less scattered um, you can spend years doing plant medicine ceremonies but if it is really hard for you to to focus your mind on your breath for just 10 breaths or you count from one to ten following each breath. Many people cannot do that. Um, if we can't do that, we we will surely, uh, we will be still bound. We will not be liberated because then the mind has so much control. Then the mind runs its endless associations, pulls us into these associations, and th th this will for sure be a route to suffering. Because we don't really win the battle within the container of the mind. There's there's uh, the, the increasing uh, positivity of thoughts is very important, and it is a practice, and it is it is something that is a theme in 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 in, in Indian traditions. So they call our minds conditioning and tendencies samskaras or vasanas. And they make a distinction that there are good ones and bad ones, right? If we have a belief that to be truthful is good, then it's better than, than that we have a belief that we can gain things in life by lying. Um, or if we have a belief that the, that the day is beautiful or believe that the day is awful, then of course it's better to believe that the day is beautiful, but ultimately we want to go beyond even um, positive and negative thinking and kind of cut the root with any thought so that any thought can appear but it doesn't it it, it, it doesn't has, have anything to cling to right um, so this is Patanjali yoga much more meditative um, and uh, there's also an interesting discussion that is intended to be dualistic rather than non-dualistic which I think is uh, not very relevant. Um, and you can forget about that for the most part. Then next on we move into Hatha Yoga, which only came about 800 years after, um, in, in, in the way we count years, AD. Um, 
around that. I'm not a historian, but so it, it's important just to know it came later. And that the big difference was that Hatha Yoga had absorbed Patanjali Yoga, but it also had absorbed Tantric um, tradition, uh, Vedic tradition. So all kinds of different philosophies got infused in Hatha Yoga. And Hatha Yoga became a much more physical practice. So it was not necessarily very rich in philosophy. It was very much focused on purifying the body and arousing the life force in the body, containing it, um, activating it and activating the life force that is dormant, also known as Kundalini and arousing it along the, the spine, the central channels, the Shumna and the Nadis of Ida and Pingala um, into the brain, the pineal gland, pineal gland, the crown and up into pure awakening and 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 insight so quite different it had absorbed patanjali but only this is where all the postures originated from and um where all the pranayama techniques originated from so you will find if you are interested in meditation because for someone like me that started with meditation and uh, non-dual philosophy before moving more into um, hatha yoga physical practices you will find it actually to purify your body and to get the life force flowing and to move beyond states of rajas and tamas move beyond states of um, overstimulation and dullness it will greatly support your meditation you will almost get to a point actually personally and maybe you can attest or maybe you will attest one day. I, I find almost that it's impossible to have a sustainable awakening without um, honoring the life force in the body. Even more so, what is almost the worth of awakening if we don't feel good in our body, right? Then we have a liberated mind. Um, and then we can transcend our thoughts about pain and about whatever but then we still miss out on the possibility to simply feel good in your body simply good in your body and to also have the energy for a more noble aspiration to actually channel your life force into um, gifts for others right we need energy to give someone for to someone else so our life force supports that so what is yoga? Well, yoga is many different things. There's Patanjali yoga, the meditation path. There is Hatha yoga, the physical path, and they combine, but they're not the same. And then there are also different ways described beyond this kind of su these support systems to, um, to, and they are supported by yoga. Um, ah. Damn, I don't know this actually. Let me take a sip of ginger tea. Let me start this a different way. So there are four other yogas described. Bhakti, Karma, um, Raja, and, and Jnana. Okay, so Karma Yoga, many know it from um, doing selfless service, which is basically what it comes down to. 
Um, this is from the Bhagavad Gita. <sighs> I hope I'm still making sense of my story. <laughs> it's a, it's a, um, a, it can be a complicated thing to all put together, you know. See, I'm still still struggling, even though I've been a geek for quite a few years. So, um, but so let's keep it simple again. Let's just describe what they are. So karma is the 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 selfless service we can give. So what the kind of the promise in karma yoga is, and we can do karma yoga next to our hatha yoga and patanjali yoga practice. Karma yoga just means how we go about life in daily life how we do something for another without expecting anything in return and the promise behind that if that we if we truly do that from a pure place we will actually feel very liberated in that ourselves and we kind of all know that intuitively as well we we like to give actually it is nice to give someone a present to cook for someone to give someone pleasure um uh, to make someone happy it just feels good um, and so it has to be on a subtle level it has to really come from really just wanting to give and what we naturally receive back is the joy of giving the joy of selflessly serving it can also be to help kids in in Africa for example but poor kids if you would go there try and get happy by serving them you know so this is really subtle you really want to selflessly serve and not selflessly serve so that it will make you happy and if you truly do that you will be happy so karma yoga we can all do that at any time any day we can set the intention in the morning to do something nice for someone how can i help someone today how can i offer a service to someone today Karma yoga, jnana yoga, the yoga of knowledge. So if you are engaged with non-duality, you are engaging with jnana yoga because there, here the intellect is used to find liberation. Through intellectual, conceptual knowledge, one explores the corners of the mind, the corners of all the hidden beliefs, assumptions about reality, about oneself. And, and by, by sound reasoning, once begins to uproot and sees many of the nonsense that one has been carrying in the mind both about oneself both about others and ultimately essentially about reality itself i am located inside the body and and, and head consciousness comes from the brain oh really let's explore and by exploring all of this we might have a really big opening of consciousness Which also has to we have to mention this here. If you are someone that's engaged with non-duality, um, non-duality is often pure jnana yoga, and um, but originally these paths were not meant as four separate paths. Like you just choose one and you only do that. They all are kind of going together, right? In different moments. Some moments we will use the intellect to understand reality and the mind and consciousness better uh, and sound reasoning to make good plans in life and another moment we will selflessly serve and another moment we will sit and meditate and, and yada 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 
Um, they're not meant to just choose one and to do that. So speaking of meditation, that's the next one, Raja Yoga, um, which is, I believe that's what they say, that Patanjali Yoga is ultimately Raja Yoga. So it's the yoga of discipline with the mind, uh, concentrating the mind, pay paying super pure, wide open attention to the present moment. Um, and through this discipline that it costs to, to, to channel the mind in such a steady stream, we flower open. Consciousness also flowers open. Insight gets revealed, liberation gets revealed. And even in this moment, by paying pure attention, wide open attention to your here-ness, now-ness, there's like a, there is like a release of, of, of energy almost immediately there in that moment. And to sustain that, um, that is in a sense Raja Yoga, for as far as I understand it. Uh, a famous um, um, practitioner of Raja Yoga uh, would be Jiddu Krishnamurti. And you would also see if you uh, read his quotes, listen to his talks, you can see this quality of attentiveness, of being so extremely here, um, really shine through in his words. He speaks a lot about that. And how we uproot so much by just this, these split moments of pure attentiveness, pure awareness. And lastly, Bhakti Yoga, which is more uh, a devotional path. So as far as I understand it, more devotional towards life worshipping towards life worshipping maybe towards deities and maybe also worshipping towards another so um, perhaps worshipping and, and what is worship right it's not necessarily to to light up incense it's also a quality that we bring into uh, the way we relate to to everything around us uh, i'm not an expert on what bhakti yoga is so if that interests you you can uh, look more into it uh, you will find a lot with a quick Google search. So here you see all these things that yoga invites us to, to practice and to, um, and to assist us in our liberation, right? And so many other things that modern spiritual seekers engage with don't offer such a nice, beautiful, extensive foundation and backbone for the practice and that's why many get lost and spend maybe an entire lifetime um, being very busy with something doesn't that doesn't help them very far people that spend decades as movement explorers because they think that if i go deeper into asana i i will kind of find what i'm looking for and you don't really there's a lot of lessons along the way for sure but ultimately, it's not the full satisfaction that actually the path promises. Um, which it is really, it's, it's about, it's about cutting the root with suffering. Uh, which is quite a dramatic shift. But it's not about like kind of half-assing it <laughs> or um, just having an idea of it. No, this path is really trying to lead you towards that and it has it as a promise like this is possible and this is how to do it 
And so I, I, you will find it in people that do all these things, engage with non-duality, shamanism, uh, asana practice extensively. Um, it, it's not happening for them uh, what they truly want. Um, and there's still a lot of confusion. And so let's get really practical here. Here are some of the backbone of yoga, which I would all invite you to explore for yourself deeper. Um, and it doesn't need to be that difficult. You can just get a copy, for example, of the Yoga Sutras. And I will promise you, you can open the Yoga Sutras at any page and there will be something beneficial in it for you. Um, so I'm going to share with you 10 of my favorite practices that are very simple and that are all in the uh that are all assisting us to have the life force flow every day because i think that's crucial life force flowing in your body and um and to work with our mind and to work with our embodiment so it's just going to be a little list so you might want to grab a pen and paper and let's get into it so and they might not be necessarily in the in the order of of what's most important. The first thing I wrote down, uh, what you will see a lot in Hatha Yoga, is to be upside down every day. So in a headstand, a handstand, shoulder stand, even a downward dog to a degree does the job, because you are obviously with your hips uh, higher than your head, but allow the blood to kind of travel from your legs down up into your head uh, for a period of time say anywhere between 20 to 300 seconds um, and this kind of makes sense if you see what hatha yogis try to do because hatha yogis are very interested in arousing the different uh, liquids and energies that run all the way from the prostate um, uh, all the way along the spine into the pineal gland. Um, they are very interested to arouse this energy upwards. So there's also the element of semen retention, which is perhaps a good number too. Um, but we want to arouse it upwards through a variety of ways. Through first not releasing our fluids um, unconsciously by doing gentle mula banda squeezes or pelvic floor squeezes by flexing, twisting, extending all these things of the spine so that the uh, spinal fluids can uh, flow by gently twisting the head a little bit forward so that also the back of the neck gets open for the fluids to pump across there um, into the pineal gland. So by being upside down, obviously we are also again stimulating fluids to move. This might sound a bit esoteric, but actually you will see uh, science confirming that with different Hatha Yoga practices, the pineal gland indeed seems to be um, pumping uh, things around and cleaning up the inside of the brain and thereby creating clarity and all of that. So spend some time upside down every day. And second, conscious orgasming. Um, there are different types of orgasms for both men and women. Um, for, but for men, it will come down to hold your semen um, for long periods of time, much longer than you might be used to. 
So if you want to learn more about that, I made a workshop that you can find on my website, uh, Energy uh, Shakti Activation, uh, I believe I called it. <laughs> so yes, there we speak about more in depth about the art of semen retention. And so three, wake up at the same time every day. So we want to work with the body getting it back into balance, right? Many people live chaotic lives, imbalanced lives, and we want to work to get the body back into rhythm and to go beyond the energies of tamas and rajas, beyond the energies of um, dullness, heaviness, slowness, sleepiness on one side, and... Um, overstimulation, uh, overactiveness, uh, rigidity on the other side. We want to move into the pure middle ground of sattva. And waking up at the same time every day will help us to achieve that. It will get our body back into balance and, into un and, and similar to eating roughly at the same time every day. So waking up at the same time every day, science explains that it's better to um to wake up at the same time every day then and not so not as necessary to go to sleep at the same time every day so just so you know and to also try to wake up before sunrise is also recommended but that's not for everyone yet perhaps so when you wake up um number um three or four i don't know where we are doesn't matter is to brush your teeth, obviously. I don't think I need to tell that to anyone. Uh, but to then also scrape your tongue. So Hatha Yoga is interested in purifying and cleaning the body also of toxic waste. We speak about two forces constantly in Hatha Yoga. One of these opposing forces are Prana and Apana. So Prana is the inhale, gathering of energy. Apana is the exhale, energy flows upward again and releases out through the mouth and thereby releases toxic waste. And so another way to release toxic waste is to scrape off the, the white layer that forms on the tongue at night before we sip any water, right? It kind of makes sense, but there are a lot of bacteria there and or, or we swallow that amounts of bacteria 365 days of the year and also the toxins they create because it doesn't smell nice for most people in the morning or we spit it out by scraping it off our tongue if you're watching the video you can get one of these copper tongue scrapers they are cheap um, easy to travel with obviously and easy to use um, so yes and then the next point um, when you wake up, first thing, hydrate, right? Helping the body to flush through, to replenish the lost water overnight and do it with lukewarm water. Okay, these are all things that will bring your body back into balance. We're also uh, becoming more and more aware in this process of honoring the temperatures of the body, the seasons um, and the times. Um, which many people overlook, right? We don't want to drink ice water um, before a meal, definitely not, and also not in the morning. Um, we want to keep the fire alive that's in the stomach, right? The agni, the fire, just like 
the yogis also call the chakra there the solar plexus like a sun which is the same in also in many chinese medicine and taoist practices dan tian i believe they call it there they also describe a sun there that needs to be flamed um, so these are some physical practices i'm going to share another one in between we came to karma yoga so in the morning if you have a practice with journaling maybe not yet maybe um, maybe you will someday but if you have one you can write down the question how can i offer a service to anyone else today and really think about that and think what you can do for someone um, and then selflessly do that right so it might be making a video like i am doing here or it might be whatever giving your grandmother a phone call whatever it is but to give someone to every to to someone every day give something to someone every day is truly a beautiful practice um, that is just good for everyone including yourself so another practice of yoga and many people will be surprised if they would try this out but it is to try and not lie and maybe we can first try this out for 24 hours at a time to see if we can really not tell one single lie in our day to all the people we engage with and many people lie a lot I, th I think there's also a lot of studies you can read about this but people tell number amount of lies almost every day um, there's not a day that goes without it so it's a noble practice to try to not lie and life will give you these things back you know if you don't lie there is without expecting a return for it but there is a magic in that that will begin to alter the quality of your life in so many ways that you will not even be able to comprehend yet before you start doing it so the next one where are we number six seven or eight learn to concentrate the mind so if you have a meditation practice going on in the morning you can add a practice at some stage in your meditation where for example just for three rounds minimum or you do it for 10 minutes or 20 minutes but otherwise just three rounds every breath count for in and out breath you count one and try to also focus on the sensation of breath and then going to the next breath too and try to make it to 10 without losing count so many people will not be able to do that because the mind is so scattered you might be maybe reached until three or four or five and you're like well was i at six or was i at five or was i at four so if you lost count then the practice to start again and then the, the the invitation is to try to complete three rounds in which you count to 10 following the sensation of breath all along and not losing count to help to focus the mind this is just one of the many practices that you can that you can do for um, concentration by the way but it's one i particularly like myself so another practice that we want to start learning is um, the practice of viveka this is already a little bit more advanced but it is to 
discriminate between first and second order reality. So what do we mean by that? We mean by that first order reality is reality as it is. Famous sentence also in Buddhism, reality as it is, that's where happiness is. Um, so we want, we want to know first order reality as it is before we have a thought about it. So we want to acknowledge that reality is what it is before we have a thought about it. So in essence, what we are experiencing is just a vibrant field of colors and sounds and, 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 and flying thoughts in the mind space. Um, but those are what they are already before we conceptualize it, right? So when looking at this microphone in front of me, what I'm seeing is just a formation of colors and I can call it a microphone, but that's second order reality and that's already less true than first order reality. So we wanna to begin to really discriminate between truth and untruth or between first order reality and second order reality, because you could, in a more extreme sense, you could say that everything that you, um, that you conceptualize is in some sense an untruth. So it might be accurate, but in a, in a again, an extreme sense, you could say it's an, an untruth, something that's just simply not true. Um, it's a concept and concepts are never true. Words are never true. Language is inherently untrue. It can be more or less accurate. It can have tremendous power and influence, but all language is a step away from reality as it is. And so the last practice I like to share, and which is again, a more physical practice is to do a little round of a stronger breathing exercise every single day. So this can be just three breaths, five breaths of um, stronger, more forceful, yet gentle in and exhalations, in and out through the nose and combined with a breath hold. So for example, this kind of pace and do that three times or five times and then holding the breath for a few times at the exhales and at the inhales this is a little bit too simple of an explanation um, maybe you can look up a youtube video on vastrika pranayama and my intention is to release one soon as well um, but practice a little bit of this kind of vastrika breathing um, and hold your breath because this will greatly support your blood to purify and for your mind to clear up and to establish the deeper connection of all the fluids the cerebrospinal fluids the reproductive fluids the different glands um, and thereby it will greatly support your life force the arousal of your kundalini you could say uh, so your sense of awakeness, aliveness, and thereby your sense of being able to have clarity of mind and to even begin to think about meditating and discerning and, 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 and transcending the mind. 
So I, um, I packed a lot of information in there. Um, I hope it's valuable for you. Um, and if not everything makes sense straight away, then that's fine. Always feel free to reach out to me in a DM or email me connect at thomasmatthias.com. Um, and otherwise, I just hope this video was of tremendous value to you. Uh, yes. So, okay, friends, end of yoga talk. Uh, taking my my teacher hat off. Um, thank you so much for listening to this video. Uh, maybe speak to you sometime in a session, uh, in a DM, uh, in a place on earth. Uh, who knows? I say namaste and lots of love from Portugal. Peace.